God has given to them for you. This message is for you. So, Father, I pray that your anointing would be upon me to give them this spiritual meal, this word, this bread, God, that it might be nourishment into their souls because, God, they need this word because they need the energy from the word called faith that they might perform that which you're asking them to do. For your word says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. So I thank you, God, that your word says that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. When Jesus was tempted by the devil. He used the word because he had ingested the word and then he performed the word. So Lord, your word says this be not hearers of the word only, but doers as well. So when you hear the word, it imparts faith into you that you might do the works of the word as well. For the word also says that faith without works is dead. So God, I thank you for that breakdown. I thank you for that, your love for us this morning. So may these words fall on fertile soil and bring forth much fruit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Church, can you say amen this morning? Amen. Thank you so much, Kimberly. We are still in the series entitled Your Kingdom Come. And today's message is entitled We Are God's Priest and Temples. As a nation of priests, we offer spiritual sacrifices showing people the way back to God. So my message for you this morning is this, that you are not just churchgoers, right? You're not just what the world would label Christians, but this is so key. Church, can you say this with me? I am who God says I am. Again, I am who God says I am. The reason the devil and your own carnal flesh doesn't want you in the Bible is because there's so much power in the Bible. And the Bible says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So if you don't know who you are, then you won't know whose you are, and you won't know what you're capable of. The Bible is a manual for us to live by so that we might understand the instructions of God and how he is empowered empowered us to live a life that is holy and pleasing to him. You are, if you have been born again, you are supernatural beings. The, the, the world is using telescopes and technology trying to find aliens, but there are aliens right here on earth, and that is the born again believer. You are a supernatural creation who will never die. You will not know death. Yes, your body might be laid down, but you will never die because you are one with God, and you have been remade in the image of Jesus Christ, you have power and authority because his kingdom has come inside of you. The kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy live inside of the believer, and it's such good news. I pray that you would pick up your Bibles this week and every week and every day and see what God has to say about you, your destiny, and your future. And the, the reason the Bible is so important is because it is the truth. Church, can you say the truth? The reason the Bible is important is because it is the truth and we live in a world that is commanded by Satan. He is the little G God of this world and he is the father of all liars. So the majority of what is happening outside of the church, well, actually, all that is happening outside of the realm of God is lies. 
If you're going to watch Fox, you're going to see some lies. Don't worry, I'm coming for CNN too. If you're going to watch CNN, you're going to see some lies, right? Our employers that we work for, they lie to us. The gas prices are a lie. The food prices are a lie, right? Because the God of this world is greedy and those that serve him have a great love for money. Now, money is not evil. Money is not wicked. But the love of money is the root of all evil. And they have to lie to us in order to steal from us because we would not give it to them if we knew the truth. If we knew that gas should only cost 75 cents a gallon, there's no way we would be paying 226 and 269 or whatever it is. So they have to inflate prices so that they might line their pockets, the evil ones might line their pockets with riches and with money. But I've got good news for you. For the Bible says that the wealth of the wicked has been laid up for the righteous, and there's a great transfer of that wealth coming to the body of God. It should already be hitting your bank account if you are righteous. If you are righteous, you should be blessed beyond measure. If you are righteous, then Jesus Christ is your Jehovah uh, Jireh. He is the one that provides all of your needs. There's not a poor person that belongs to God. None of us are poor. Even if you say, well, my bank account only has 17 cents in it right now. Don't look at your bank account. The Bible says that we should walk by faith and not by sight. So when you walk by faith, you understand that your father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. When you walk by faith, you understand that the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Amen. So that is why we must read the Bible so that we might know who we are whose we are, and what we are capable of. None of that was in the message. That was just all bonus material from the Holy Spirit. So somebody needed to hear that this morning. Your finances are connected to the kingdom of God. And when you are, right, when you are righteous, when you are living a life that pleases God, the word says those who are willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. So wherever you find yourself both willing and obedient to the Lord, you will see the goodness of the land there for you. So we're here this morning to learn about our title as priest. For the Bible says that we are a kingdom of priests. Let's go to Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. What God wants to do today is allow a staircase to come down from heaven, and we walk up this word to our rightful place in him. Some of you feel so lowly, and you need to know the truth about who you are. Say this with me. I am a priest. So when you hear that word priest, sometimes you see that some religions and denominations have hijacked that word and you think of worldly priests, but those might not, those are not his priests, right? He has his own priest, okay? And he calls you his priest. So let's look at the history of priests beginning in Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. It says this, exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. After breaking camp of Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain. Who called to him? 
The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me. And listen to this. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give the people of Israel. So what we learn here is that among all the people of earth, it was God's desire to have a special group of people that was set apart from all the others called priests. Church, say this with me. I am a priest. Listen to this. He wanted a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, people who would obey him and keep covenant, those he had rescued and brought to himself. And my question for you this morning is, didn't he do that for you as well? He says, I have seen what you, the Egyptians had done to you, and I have carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, can you raise your hand in here just for a moment? So all of you, you hitched a ride on eagle's wings. All of you, the Lord rescued and brought back to himself, right? And that's exactly what he does for his priests because he wants a nation that belongs to him. You see, in the Old Testament priesthood or under the Old Covenant, a priest was one who was sanctified for service to God and only privileged, then the only ones who were privileged to enter into his presence in the holy place and to offer sacrifices. Let's go to Exodus chapter 28, verse 1. This was uh, the Lord's instructions for the priest. He said, call for your brother Aaron and his sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. Set them apart from the rest of the people of Israel so they may minister to me and be my priest, right? So they're with the nation of Israel, but yet God chose some from out of Israel to come to him and to be his priest. So what do we learn about this? That God chooses his own priest and sets him apart for his service. He called them by name. Do you see those names I just read? God called for them. Moses didn't look among the children of Israel and say, give me this one, this one, and this one. Nope, God said, I want you to choose these people. Here are their names and bring them to me. So he called them by name. First Peter 2 and 9 lets us know that he also called us out by name. For it says that he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. No one gets saved who is not called. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. It is a response of God pulling on your heart to redeem you. And you must agree for this redemption. You must receive salvation. So just like he called out the Old Testament priest, 1 Peter 2 and 9 says he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. But Matthew 22, 14 tells us further that many are called, but few are chosen. Listen to me. Everyone that God calls out of darkness will not be chosen because there's, there's something else that must be done. And we must learn what is the difference between the called and the chosen. Let's go to John chapter 15, verses 14 through 16. And his, listen to what Jesus said. Because many, and Jesus even said that in Matthew, many are called, but few are chosen. Church, say this with me. It is my desire to be chosen, 
Come on. I don't want to just be the call. I want to be the chosen as well. Listen to what Jesus said. You are my friends if you do what I command. That's a huge hint that lets us know the, the response. Man, see, all are called, but those who are chosen have a response to the call, right? They actually do what Jesus said do. So church, we've got to look at ourselves and look at our lives and say, am I walking in obedience to God? Am I living by his word as a chosen one? Verse 15, I no, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me. Listen to verse 16. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed, ordained, consecrated you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. So, Jesus, like we know this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's a worldwide call. Anyone who believes on him shall be saved. But those who are going to be saved are going to be those who obeyed him, those who laid down their lives for him, those who were consecrated and set apart for service unto God, right? Say this with me. I am not just saved. I am a servant. Come on, church. That, 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 that puts us in a new category. We're not just waiting for Jesus to come back and get us. We've got work that we're supposed to be carrying out because he said, occupy until I come. Let's go to Exodus chapter 28, verses 40 through 43. We're learning about the priests of the Old Testament, the consecrated ones. And listen to what he said. For Aaron's sons make tunics, sashes, and special head coverings that are glorious and beautiful. Clothe your brother Aaron and his son with these garments, and then anoint and ordain them. Consecrate them so they can serve as my priests. Also make linen undergarments for them to be worn next to their bodies, reaching from their hips to their thighs. These must be worn whenever Aaron and his sons enter the tabernacle or approach the altar and the a holy place to perform their priestly duties. Church, can you say priestly duties? So you're not a priest just to be called a priest. A priest had responsibilities and duties, and so do you. Every single one of you have responsibilities and duties that you're supposed to be carrying out for God, not just coming to church, right? You have a life to live before the world as servants of the Most High God and as his priests. So it used the word consecrate. That word means to be devoted and set apart for sacred use. Say this with me. I am devoted and set apart for sacred use. Man, that should, that should change some things about your attitude and mind as a believer. Wait, wait a minute. You mean I'm not just a Christian? No. You have been, you have been anointed and set apart for sacred use. Say this with me. Sacred use. Sacred means different, holy, not common. So you have been set apart for sacred use, so we should probably be careful what we do with these bodies. Say this with me, my body, my body. 
It's sacred. Unfortunately, we, we treat this, these bricks and mortars more sacred than we do these temples in which God really lives in. I guarantee you, every single one of us, there's some things we would not say in here. There's some things we would not do in here because we were like, uh-uh, I'm not saying that at church. I'm not doing that at church. Why? Because we see the building as sacred. But the Bible tells us that we have been set apart for sacred use. So you your body has been consecrated and dedicated unto the Lord for his use. You see that the priests of the Old Testament were also the only ones who were approved to go into the holy place where God resided, right? In order for them to enter into the holy of holies and do the sacred things they had to do, they would tie a bell around the foot of the priest when they were in there. Because as long as they heard the bell ringing, they knew that the priest was still alive, right? But this was the holy of holies. There could be no blemish. They had to be spotless. They had to be consecrated. And every once in a while, a priest would go there in there and die. And they had a rope around his ankle with the bell. Why the rope? Because they wouldn't even be able to go in there and retrieve his body because he was the only one allowed in there. And if he wasn't right before God, he would drop dead. Now, yes, you have a loving God, but you've got a holy God as well. And this God requires that we treat him as holy and know who he is. So they would have to pull the priest out of the holy of holies and then bury him. Let's go to Exodus chapter 29, 44 through 46. I know we're drinking fast, but we got to get to the heart of the message. This is just the foundation. Exodus 29, 44 through 46 say this. Yes, I will consecrate the tabernacle and the altar, and I will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Then I will live among the people of Israel and be their God, and they will know that I am the Lord their God. I am the one who brought them out of the land of Egypt so that I could live among them. I am the Lord their God. So back in the Old Testament, in order for God to live among sinful people, there had to be a tabernacle, an altar, and priest. And the job of the priest was to perform duties and sacrifices that would reconcile the people back to God. So God is saying, listen, if I'm going to come and live with you, there needs to be a system because I am holy and you are not. I am pure and you are not. I am undefiled and you are not. So if I'm going to live among unclean people, there must be a system I place in order that they might be able to cleanse themselves so that I could live there with them. And this was the system God ordained and priests were the ones that carried it out. So the ministry of priests was good news or reconciliation. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. The Lord called to Moses from the tabernacle and said to him, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. So as I read this, I want you to think about the new covenant. I want you to think about Jesus Christ and what he did for us. So this is the Old Testament and the system of the priest then. But as I read it, think about now, okay? Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you present an animal as an offering to the Lord, you take it from the herd, you may take it from the herd of cattle or your flock of sheep and goats. 
If the animal you present as a burnt offering is from the herd, it must be a male with no defects. Bring it to the entrance of the tabernacle so you may be accepted by the Lord. Lay your hand on the animal's head. So this is the person who's bringing the burnt offering, right? The priest is not involved yet. The person brings the burnt offering and it says this, lay your hand on the animal's head and the Lord will accept its death in your place to purify you, making you right with him. Sound familiar? Then slaughter the young bull in the Lord's presence, and Aaron's sons, the priest, here's the priest, will present the animal's blood by splattering it against all sides of the altar that stands at the entrance of the tabernacle. Then skin the animal and cut it into pieces. The sons of Aaron, the priest, will build a wood fire on the altar. They will arrange the pieces of the offering, including the head and fat, on the wood burning on the altar. But the internal organs and legs must first be washed with water. Then the priest will burn the entire sacrifice on the altar as a burnt offering. It is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. So the old covenant priest presented the sacrifice to God on behalf of the people, right? So the old covenant priest took the sacrifices from the people and presented them to God. But we are new covenant priests, And listen to what we do. We present the sacrifice, who is Jesus, to the people on behalf of God. Again, I got to say it again. Watch me. In the Old Testament, what the priest did was took the sacrifice that the people had given for their sins and presented it to God on the altar, and God was pleased with it. But that system is over with. Now we are the new priest. Say this with me. I am. Man, this is good. Say, I am a new priest. So what the new priest does is this, it's in reverse. The new priest takes the sacrifice, which is Jesus, and presents it to the people so that they might be saved. We are ministers of the new covenant. We are ministers of the gospel. And the sacrifice has already been made. The sacrifice is the spotless lamb. For John the Baptist said, behold, the lamb of God who does what? Takes away the sin of the world. So as New Testament priests, we don't take sacrifices from the people for their sins. Their sins have already had a perfect sacrifice named Jesus. And now we are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we tell the whole world, world, there is a savior named Jesus Christ. The ultimate sacrifice has been placed upon the altar and he is now our way back to God. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Amen. So Jesus is our our high priest. See, the New Testament priesthood and under the new covenant, uh, a priest uh, in the Old Testament, again, was one who sacrificed for, for the service to God and the only one's privilege to enter into his presence in the holy place and to offer sacrifices. In the new covenant priesthood, however, Christ alone makes sacrifices for sins. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 7, verses 18 through 19, right? 
I'm going to keep driving at this speed because I've got time to make up, but I pray that you're getting it. I pray that you're receiving this word today. We learned about the old priesthood, how they made sac- took the sacrifices for people's sin and offered them unto God, and he received them, and they were made clean because of that sacrifice. But now we have a new system, and Jesus Christ is the ultimate clean lamb who takes away the sin of the world, and we offer that new, we offer that to the people packaged in a message, packaged in good news. Amen? So let's learn about Jesus the high priest now. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 7, verses 18 through 19. It says this, yes, the old requirement about the priesthood, that's just what I just, what we just studied, the old requirement about the priesthood was set aside because it was weak and useless. Wow. The Bible is saying some pretty strong words about a system of law that many people died for and over and a system of law that some people still try to fulfill, right? It is saying this, that the old priesthood was set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law never made anything perfect. But now, church say, but now. But now we have a confidence and a better hope through which we draw near to God. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. We're learning about Jesus, our high priest. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, remember, the, the earthly priest could only enter into the tabernacle or the temple, the holy of holies. But we've got a high priest. Church, can you say high priest? Oh my goodness, give it up for Jesus this morning. Can, can we give it up for Jesus this morning? We have a great high priest, right, who has entered heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, tells us this about our high priest. This is, these are things that you have to know. Because when you know these things, you're empowered by these things, and you can walk in your priesthood. Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. So that's a good definition of a priest, right? And it lets us know about our service unto God. Look at that definition again. Every high priest, he's the high priest, but we're still priests. He does this at a higher level, but we still do this. This is why you have a ministry. Every single one of you have a ministry. It's not just Pastor Tibbs or Pastor Jim. Every single one of you is a minister. And here's what your ministry sounds like. Every high priest is a man or woman chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. By a show of hands, how many of you know someone that is not born again, not saved? Raise your hands high. You know someone that's not born again, not saved. Say this with me. I am, man, this is good news. Say this with me. I am a priest. Come on. A priest's function is to represent other people in their dealings with God. So you've got unsaved loved ones that don't know how to deal with God. So you are a priest that can step into their situation and into their lives and say, listen, Jesus loves you. 
He died for your sins. Once you receive him as your savior, God desires to be your father. And through this information, come on, the, the, the kids always add I-N-G to something they're doing, right? So if the food is, 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 is good, or is, is bussing, it's bussing, right? Like I-N-G on the end. So, so listen, I don't even know where I was going, Lord. Anywho, oh, I know where I was going. This is priesting, right? Like, man, he priesting, I-N-G. So, so parents, you want to sound cool, put I-N-G on the end of some stuff, but they're going to really call you up like, oh, dad, you old, don't do that again. Anyway, the ministry of the priest, man, there's so much work to do. This is why you need to know that you're a priest, that unsaved people can come into the kingdom of God through your priesthood. Why? Because a high priest is one who's chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins, and he is able to deal gently. Come on, come on. We are able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weaknesses. This is why we must offer sacrifices for our own sins as well as theirs. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor. He must be called by God for this work, just as Aaron was. This is why Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become high priest. No, he was chosen by God who said to him, you are my son. Church, can you say son? So before we could become priests, we had to be sons, didn't we? Because you have to be a son, you have to be a child of God before you receive this inheritance or this relationship with him as a priest. You are my son. Today I have become your father. And in another passage, God said to him, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Verse 7, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Church, say this with me. I am learning obedience through the things I suffer. So if you're suffering right now, don't call it suffering, call it class. If you're suffering this morning, don't call it, don't call it, don't call it suffering, call it school. I am learning obedience through the things that I am suffering. Some of us are praying for class to be over, but nope, don't let class end until you get the diploma. Don't let class end until you get that glory that God is trying to take you to. See, you, we want to go from glory to glory to glory, but you need to know there's suffering to suffering to suffering as you go up. This life cannot be lived without suffering. The one who you call Lord and Savior, look how he suffered and and we have to arm ourselves likewise. We have to understand that we're going to suffer to be called sons and priests and kings. But there's good news attached to that. For the word of God says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but he does what? Delivers us from them all. Let's give God praise for that this morning. Amen. All right, we're moving on to Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 12, and then we're rounding the corner. All right, so 
Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves. He entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Church, say this with me. Jesus is our high priest. All right, praise God. So now I have to tell you about yourself and then you can go home. You are his spiritual temples, his holy priest. In Exodus chapter 25, verse 8, it says this. It gives us the reason that God had them build the temple. It says this, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. Why did he want a sanctuary? So he could live among us. Why did God tell them to build him a sanctuary? So he could live among us. So we have a God that wants to live among us. And we fast forward to the New Testament and the New Covenant and listen to what 1 Corinthians says, 6, 19 through 20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Church, say this with me. I must honor God with my body. Come on, so this body is the temple of God. This body is where his Holy Spirit now dwells. His priest as well. So we're his temples and we're his priest as well. Revelation chapter one, verses five and six. So if you're saying, well, where's all this priest talk? When did Jesus call us priests? Where's that at? Revelation chapter one, verses five through six say this. And from Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory to, and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So Jesus in Revelation calls you, calls us a kingdom of priests. Say this with me. If I am a priest, I have work to do. See what happens if we walk around here thinking we're just Christians. See if what happens to the, the state of the world if we walk around here thinking that we're just believers if we're only just those things and you don't know that you're a priest as well, then you don't understand that there's a world full of people that are dying on and on their way to hell and don't have to be because you've got good news to give them as a priest of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 say this about us. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. 
This is so important. Listen to this. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. So church, it's time for us to grow up. The word of God says that there is a such thing that is called the full experience of salvation. Come on. There's a greater experience of salvation than what we've been experiencing. There's a state of salvation called the full, the full experience of salvation. But the only way to experience the full experience of salvation is the only way that any child grows into an adult. They must be nourished. Now, do you understand why your carnal nature wants nothing to do with reading the Bible? Now, do you understand why your carnal nature thinks everything is more fun and more important than reading the Bible? Now, do you understand why this wicked God, this wicked God, the devil, would begin to push the Bible out of schools, push the Bible out of government? Why? Because there is a full experience of salvation that will shake his kingdom and turn it upside down. It's when the sons of God understand that they are also priests and kings unto God, and we're not just a black churchgoer, a white churchgoer, a Baptist, a Pentecostal. All these labels that God did not give us, we find him saying that we are a nation of priests. If I were the enemy and I were a master liar, then it would be my desire to make sure I hide that Bible from everybody I possibly could. Because if you ever get a hold of that Bible, listen to me, even the slaves of America back in the day, it was forbidden that they learn how to read. Why? Because if they ever got a hold of the truth and know who they were, there would be an uprising on every plantation. Listen to me. There's still slavery in America today, and it's called spiritual slavery. People don't know who they are in Christ. And in order to know who you are in Christ, you must read the book. And the book calls you kings and priests and sons unto God. And we've got work to do. It's not just a title so we can sit and just continue to eat the word and never do nothing with it. The reason that we eat the word is so that we might come to a full experience of salvation. Amen? So, verse 4, you are coming to Christ. Come on, Kimberly, please. God bless you. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. Listen, you're going to be rejected by people. If you're a Christian, you should have already lost a whole lot of friends. If you're still trying to hang on to friends from the world, it means you're conforming after the pattern of this world and not, be trans not being transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you're a Christian, there's something you need more than friends. And what you need more than friends as a Christian are brothers and sisters in Christ. Because he called us to be a family, right? A family. So look around the room. You might not call these people friends, but they should be your friends. But more importantly, they are your brother and sister in Christ. Why? Because God desires to have a family. Amen? Praise God. So let's finish this up. He was rejected, so we're going to be rejected. Verse 5. And you are, man, I love the word of God because that's where I find who I am. 
Man, the enemy wants to keep us ignorant and out of this Bible because he knows if we ever find out who we are, he's already been duped once because the Bible said if they would have known who Jesus really was, they would have never crucified him. So he's saying, man, I got to make sure these people don't know who they are. But listen to what the Bible says about you. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Say this with me. I am a spiritual temple and a holy priest. Listen to, listen to the rest of this. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. So let me read these to you, okay? The priests of the Old Testament, they offered carnal sacrifices, physical things that you could touch, right, and present them to God. But you are holy Woo! Hallelujah! You are his holy priest. And let's read this again. Please just give me a little bit more time. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest through the mediation of Jesus Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Church, say this with me. Spiritual sacrifices. That's what you do as priests now. You don't, you're not charging people. I hope you're not charging people for doves and pigeons and they're not bringing stuff to your house. You're not that kind of priest. You offer spiritual sacrifices, right? So what does that look like? Here we go. Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. So one of your spiritual sacrifices, church, is praise. Can everyone lift up your hand just for a moment and say this with me? Father, I praise you through your son, Jesus Christ. All right, hands down. Guess what you just did? You just offered a spiritual sacrifice called praise. Come on, you're a priest. Man, we got to do better, especially men. We're the priests of the home, right? And our children and our wives should see us offering spiritual sacrifices. Lord, we thank you not only for this meal, but for this home and for these clothes and for your goodness towards us. We got to do better, men. You're the priest of the home. All right, let's keep going. Hebrews 13, 16 says this, and don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. So those of you that were able to be a blessing to Evangelist Holly today, that was a spiritual sacrifice. Why? Because you did good. Man, hallelujah, you did good for someone who was in need. So anytime you bless someone in need, that's your priestly duty, right? I'm giving sac a spiritual sacrifice unto God because I am doing good and sharing with those in need. Romans 12, 1, you might say, well, I don't have a lot of money right now, but man, I'll tell you how to reverse that. If you, ever, if you are ever determined to be a giver, God will bless you. If you're focused on being stingy and keeping everything to yourself, that's why you're broke, right? But if you would ever come into agreement with the kingdom of God and say, God, I just want to be a giver. I want to bless this one and that one and this one. Here's what God will say. This is the first test. Okay, use what you got first. 
Let me see the posture of your heart for real. If you really want to be a blessing to someone, use what I've already given you. We're waiting for God to bless us with abundance, but that's not what he said. He said, those who are faithful over a few things, I will make them ruler over many. Let's keep going because everyone has this sacrifice to give. Romans 12 and 1 says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give or sacrifice your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy, what? Sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So your spiritual sacrifice is yourself. When you give your body to God for his use. A couple more here. Ephesians 5, 2. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So another spiritual sacrifice is when you love others. When you love others, that's a spiritual sacrifice to God. Philippians 4.18, Paul says, At this moment I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me through Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. So again, it's being reiterated here that another spiritual sacrifice is when you give gifts, when you are a blessing to those who are in need. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. 1 Peter 2 and 9 tells us, you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The ministry of the Old Testament priests was to reconcile people back to God through the sacrifices of the burnt offering, through the animal sacrifices. But that system is useless and weak, we just heard. There is a new sacrifice that's been made. His name is Jesus Christ, and we are the new priesthood. And the new priesthood represents God uh, to those that don't know him. So we've got work to do as new priests. New priests are also ministers. And listen to this closing passage. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 tells us this. This means that anyone, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to the believers, listen to your work. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. So not through animal sacrifices anymore, through Christ. And God has given us, uh uh-oh, God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Remember the Old Testament priests reconciled people back to God through animal sacrifices, but now God is saying, I want you to do it. I want you to reconcile people back to me. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So listen, receive your priesthood, receive your priestly work, and here's what it is. 
So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. I need every priest in the building to say this with me. Come back to God. That's your priestly message. The sacrifice has been made for them, but they just don't know it. They need to know it, and you're the one that tells them. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. If you learned something from the Bible today, put your hands together. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's been heard. I thank you that faith has come because of it. And I thank you that the works of faith will be done in these people. We're going into the holiday season. We're we're going to see many of our family members, God, who don't know you as Savior. But thank you, God, there's a priest in the family. (laughs) There's a priest in the family, God, who represents the high priest, God. And we can tell them there's a way to come back to God. So God... Uh, along with the gift cards we're going to give, the socks, the candles we're going to give. We're going to give all kinds of presents to people. But God, we've got something to give them as priests too. And the thing that we have to give them as priests is a simple statement that says, come back to God. The way has been made in Jesus Christ. I'll ask for any of our pastors and elders and prayer team to come down to the altar at this time. If any of you need prayer today, please come down and see us here. If any of you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I ask you to come down to this altar now. Receive the gift of salvation. I told you a little bit ago, the only people that go into darkness, the only people that are eternally separated,